Oh, I think you guys know what that sound was. Bushlight, open up this podcast. Welcome to Sports Vision, episode five. Five. I think we're on episode five. There's going to get a point where we lose count, and I'm not going to tell you guys what episode you're listening to within the episode. So you're just going to have to find it and figure it out, because... We're going to be episode 396, and I'm never going to remember that. To be honest, I think it's going to be about episode 15, and we're going to lose count. If, yeah, if it even makes it that long. So, welcome back. This is another racing episode. I got RJ here. RJ, say what's up. What's up? (laughs) Yeah, he's got a lot of emotion behind him today. (laughs) There's a lot to talk about, especially this week being the Mint 400. But I know that you wanted to touch on a couple other things before we start diving super deep. I forgot what they were. <laughs> you wanted to talk about uh, indie cars. Oh yeah, so just the indie car thing is they're running. I think they're running like a full windshield all year this year instead of the halo because they have I mean, this well, along with the halo. But before they were just running this T style wraparound halo, right, similar to Formula One. Yeah, and it I could I don't I don't imagine the 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 visibility's super sweet on that thing. They all run it. Yeah, well they have to. So, I mean, they must have got it figured out. But anyways, they're running a the full halo with a full windshield. Mm-hmm. And I just saw some interesting facts were that it the like halo with windshield itself can support 37,000 pounds. That's insane. Yeah. I don't like that's three or four trucks, I believe. <laughs> like three well, or four yeah, full I mean, a tru- size. Yeah, a truck trucks. usually weighs about eight thousand pounds, like a diesel or something. Um, and then it can withstand an impact from a point nine kilogram object, which is about two pounds, at three hundred fifty-seven kilometers, which is two hundred and twenty-five miles, miles an hour or so, give or take a few. Yep. So I just insane. That's crazy. So essentially. You know, when they're traveling at their full speed, mm-hmm. they could hit. And that's probably one of the big things, right? Is that they, they're, there's debris that you can't control during the race, like a bird or a right. S- something's flying around, or maybe some crazy, crazy uh, drunk guy in the stands hucks his beer over the <laughs> over the fence and hits a guy in I'm the windshield. I'm assuming it's also not like it just bounces off and everything's good it withstands the impact but you probably have to pull off for the race oh i'm, I'm guessing sh- i'm sure because it's not just gonna hit the windshield well it's gonna explode it's whatever something. said object is is going to explode and hit other pieces of the car yeah and, and all kinds of stuff so that I, that's cool um i haven't been able to follow hardly any F1 or Indy or any open wheel stuff lately. Just been so swamped with this, you know, desert and short course stuff coming up. Uh, I do... I've been trying to follow NASCAR as closely as possible because it's relevant right now and people want to hear a little bit about it, but, you know, then they get bored, right? So we're trying to to talk about it now because there's that middle, that big chunk of the middle of the season. From the start, you you got people's attention for a couple races. Then it's the middle of the season. No one really gives a shit unless it's a road course event. And then at the end of the year, they get excited again because it's the playoffs and they want to make sure the race, the the racer well, that they cheer for, is still in it or the team or whatever. I mean, that's similar to any other sports 
right. series. Right. I mean, nobody pays well, attention. Most people don't pay attention to the center section of the season. The average consumer, diehards, pay attention throughout. You know? Right. But, yeah. Um. So, uh, we just had the California race, mm-hmm. uh, NASCAR race, last weekend. Uh, Jimmy got the pole. Jimmy Johnson got the pole, and uh, he got the f- the five wide parade. Yeah. What was that? That was his send off. That's a send. I, I I believe I could be wrong, but I believe that was his send off. Like, hey, this is your last one because he's gonna retire after the season. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, this is your last one. So he was up front by himself, and then the rest of the field piled five wide behind him. They did a pretty cool parade thing. It was it was actually really cool to see. Um, uh, more of the tech talk because I don't really give a shit about all that other stuff, but more of the tech talk. NASCAR released that they're going to a one lug nut center drive lug nut next year. So, okay. Yeah. So transferring from your talk about, you know, the F1 and the IndyCar stuff, which run the center lug right. nut, NASCAR is going to move to that next year. And I think a lot of it, I don't have any inside sources as of right now. Uh, a couple of friends of mine, aren't really giving up a lot because they're they're doing some traveling and 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 they don't really know themselves but they're going to go to the center lug nut and I would assume that there's a lot of safety behind it right y- you've got they glue them on to the wheels but there's five objects that are holding this wheel onto the car right rather than one and it's not like that center lug nut is a new thing this has been this has been a thing for 50, 60 years in Formula One open wheel right. racing. Yeah. So I think it's a really good idea. I've seen some, you know, positives and negatives on the internet and, and I think stuff the like that. Biggest thing you're gonna get back from it is, oh, it's it's ruining the sport. You're not. It's not like the same anymore. But that's you know, as things change, you get <coughs> that from everything. So. Exactly. And we had that same talk when when they decided to go to a stage, stage style races. And when they and before the stages, they went to playoffs, in, in at the end of the season. So mm-hmm. we we're transitioning, and I think NASCAR is doing everything that they can to keep people involved. Well, now, to. not to cut you off, but on that same note, these pit stops are probably one of the most exciting things for non-diehard racers. They're watching these cars go around in circles. And they like the last few laps at Daytona and Talladega because there's chaos. They like Bristol and Martinsville because they're short, they're tight, everybody's rubbing, everybody's taking each other out. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But on these tracks like California, Michigan, uh, Milwaukee, these these mile, mile and a half restrictor plate races, they they put these restrictor plates in and the cars are so equal, right? They're, they're traveling in packs of 20 cars going the same speed. Right. And they built all these aerodynamics into the cars that you you have to know how to manipulate as a spotter and as a driver to position yourself to do well. From a, a consumer standpoint, these pit stops are super exciting for these people to watch. They like to see the guy. They they probably don't know a whole lot about it, but they like to see these guys climb over the wall, start chucking lug nuts off, throwing lug nuts on. And what I think is cool about what we have right now is you have to you have to maintain all of that. You have to realize where that stuff is. You can't have a lug nut leave the box. Right. You can't have a tire leave the box. 
So, and not to say that a single lug nut couldn't zip out and cause some problems, but... Controlling five more objects requires a lot more c control. Right, a lot more control, a lot more awareness. But, like I said, it's I think it's a safety thing. Making sure that one lug nut's on and done is a lot safer than making sure five are done. Because, like, Kyle Larson last week uh, for qualifying. I thought you said it was Daytona, but oh, I it could was, be Sorry, wrong. the Vegas race. Or, yeah, post, post Tech in Vegas, he had one lug nut loose. Mm -hmm. He got lucky. One, one loose lug nut on those cars, you go, you know, a 30, 40 uh, lap session. Could cause some damage. Could start bending. I mean, those things are traveling at such a high velocity. Could start bending a wheel, getting a vibration. Something else happens. So, um like I said, I think that I think people like to watch the the pit stops and and what's going to happen with this one lugna. It's going to severely reduce the amount of time they're in the pits. So that I mean, yeah, uh, well, years, without a years doubt. and years and years ago, I think uh, late '80s, all the trophy trucks were running knockoff lugnuts. Mm -hmm. They'd come into a pit, hit it with a sledgehammer, it'd spin off take the tire off, put a new tire on, spin them back on it. Robbie Gordon showed up to Cranon, I think in his eight truck or something and raced, uh, back then, which, uh, what would have been either the, f the class four or class eight, eight was four wheel drive, four was two wheel drive, I think something like that. But he showed yes. up to Cranon to race a short course race with his knockoff hubs on and Walker Evans did it. I mean, it was just a cool thing to see, but, um, it, like I said, it, it's, it's been tested. It's not something new that we don't know what's going to happen. But right. I just think it's cool that NASCAR is always doing something and and moving towards something, even though people don't really agree with it. Well, you know, if they're going to do that, I would kind of like to see them move more Formula One-ish with the, uh, like, the, they have push to pass and the uh, different drive modes and stuff like that that increase power, decrease power, increase fuel consumption, decrease fuel consumption. And then also let's have 12 pit guys on the other side of that wall and then, you know, make it actually the Formula One style stop, which are still exciting, but last about three seconds. Yeah. Well, it, to, to your point, I think if we started to see more of more control on the vehicles, mm -hmm. it would do a couple things. I think it would make it would it would get rid of this. 12, 15 cars are all the same speed, and right. they're so dangerously close. Like, one little bobble, and the whole thing goes to hell in a handbasket. Right. Another thing that we would see uh, is these 16, 17-year-old kids spending their entire lives on simulators, spending their entire lives racing the local sur track, Circle Track Series, getting into ARCA East and West, getting uh, K&N East and West, um, doing all these things to move up. And it seemed like we hit a point where it was just nonstop every year, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten more kids would come in that we've never heard of. Right. I think it would cut, not eliminate it, but I think it would cut it back a little bit because it's going to take so much more time in these said vehicles that you're racing to understand the decreased power, increased power, fuel consumption mode, well, all that stuff that they control by the wheel. Not only that, it like the, the amount of strategy that that would allow to you guys to do mm -hmm. um you know fuel runs and whatever is just it'd be a, a, a steep learning curve yeah i think you'd see a lot of turnover in crew chiefs in the first couple of years after that was made well yeah because it's not just like 
you'd if you're gonna do that, you probably have to limit the amount of fuel you can use. So you you have to force a strategy type situation, right? Um, and then, you know, it'd be a change from just being like, okay, well, managing the car and tires and such to actually managing fuel consumption and strategy and what other teams are doing and you know what your teammates doing and stuff right. like that be a lot different yeah I, I i that would be cool i would my vote would be yes for that 100 percent uh another quick little thing about nascar before we move on uh they released that so they do the the bush clash for daytona at the which at the beginning of the year which is like a uh one of the early races to dis determine starting order and that all that like stuff what used to be the 125 duels like the Gatorade duels and stuff yeah. yeah so they do a bush clash and this year I don't know how many laps it was I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna act like I know right but they do like a it's a it's a pre-race so they release for 2021 Daytona the bush clash is going to be a road course event which at is going to be in at Daytona do they get to use different cars? I don't know. That I, I'm curious to see what these what the rules are gonna be, but I am so stoked. No, that's that's awesome, but my main question is those are two completely different setups. So like if from gonna, ground zero setups. Yeah, exactly. And then so are you gonna require them to run their restrictor plate Daytona car on the road course? Well, see, qualify? I don't think you could because that that you're talking you're talking transmissions you're talking you're talking gearing in the transmissions your final drive you're talking your your the whole suspension setup is probably different yeah and you throughout. can't like the like if you were to get your acceleration in a restrictor plate car at Daytona mm -hmm. is shite it's garbage yeah no it'd be it'd be a shit show but it would also be really exciting i think it'd be cool yeah. but w my guess is is that they're probably going to allow the teams to bring three cars to the track Okay. They'll have their premier starting car that they qualify and race with, mm -hmm. a backup oval car, and then one road course car, if they get into this clash. So, so the so the clash is going to be what it's going to determine what though. So, well, it used to determine starting order. So now is it just like now I don't know race? if it determines uh like a qualifying order. Or something. I gotta do a little bit more research on it. Okay. I just saw a flash of it and was like, I had to read a little bit. And they're like, you, they will be running a road course race for the Bush Clash at twenty. Because well, there used Daytona. to be, so there was the the one twenty five duels, the Gatorade duels, mm -hmm. and then there was like the Budweiser. Oh god, yeah. Shootout. I mean, right? you're talking, yeah, years ago. So is it gonna be like the Budweiser shootout? Possibly. Like I, I said, I, I can't say anything that, that I don't know for sure. that was more of like an sure. invitational type race, and it was like it was more similar to this all-star race where it was sort of yeah a spectacle. I think know? it had to be past winners or something, something. I don't. I just remember race winners seeing from the them, season before. Like they picked their starting order by uh, pulling picking beer bottles. Mm -hmm. So that was that's. I, 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 I'm all for it. Bring that back. I'm all for that. Bring that back. Let's well, can, let's. Can we really endorse alcoholism on TV anymore? <clears throat> yes. Yes, we well, can. It's Bush Monster, so let's get a beer collaboration going between them. Maybe, maybe all the Kyles will love it. Maybe you have to chug two monsters, and then chug three beers, and then you have to find the bucket to pick your starting position out of while you're slightly smashed and buzzed off this. It <laughs> sounds like dizzy, dizzy, dizzy ball. They're not gonna let that happen. They're no. too. They're too uppity over there. The insurance. 
Which oh, is like, you could have through sorry, the roof. You, you want to have him drink and then race somewhere? Yeah, no chance. <laughs> uh, no, they're not in cars. They're just running. Yeah, sorry. Still no chance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Our insurance company will not let that happen. So that's enough NASCAR talk for me. If you want to touch on other stuff, we can, but mm-hmm. I'm over it. I don't pay that much attention yeah. to it. Do you want to touch on anything else before we get into this Mint 400? No, that's about it. Okay, so let's just dive into it. This 2020 Mint 400 is, as everybody should know, it's here in Vegas. It's one of our hometown races that I can't say that I enjoy <laughs> I'm all that much. I'm super excited we're not participating. I, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty glad I don't have to have anything to do with actually racing it. Um, I know... My good friend Derek will be running open team expert with a couple other friends of ours mm-hmm. on a bike Friday, and then I will probably be helping people pit on Saturday just to help, you know, to right. be nice. Um, and that's about the extent. I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to have any other part of it. But let me just run through this. Before we get too deep into all the details, let me just run through this absolutely mind-boggling schedule of events so everything started today today's wednesday march 4th everything started today they had a vehicle parade at three it started at three so two hours ago it was only an hour they did a they do this big parade where whoever wants to show up they can drive their race cars it used to be when they when they brought the parade back it was the first hundred people to register Mm. And then I think some sponsorship things happened, and then it's now whoever wants to participate gets to participate. That's a lot of cars. I, I know the last couple of years has just been an insane amount of cars. Well, and everybody likes to do it because you drive your race car on the surface streets of Las Vegas, downtown. Down the strip. Down the strip. They shut everything down. I get – it's not cool for me. I don't, I don't, I don't feel that's a thing that I want to do ever. Like yeah, I, you didn't, I don't think you grew up. In Vegas. Right. I did not grow up in Vegas. I grew up in good old Wisconsin. Yeah. Proud of it, too. But that's just not something that's appealing to me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for Cranon, we do the same sort of thing. We go, we we get up early Friday morning for fall Cranon. Right. And we get up early Friday morning. We get the race vehicles all lined up. First come, first serve on lineup. Mm-hmm. And then we get on the actual U.S. Wisconsin State Highway 8 that gets <laughs> shut down, and we drive to downtown Crandon. We take this side street down to make a loop onto the main street, and we start parking on the main street of Crandon all the way down. Right. And then for the next three, four hours, people, whoever the hell wants to, walks up and down this main street of Crandon and looks at all the race cars and talks to the drivers, and then we have the driver's meeting right. for Friday and Saturday racers. We have the driver's meeting downtown in the center of this town, kind of, where we're all kind of congregated. Mm-hmm. And then after that driver's meeting, we have the cup driver's meeting for Pro 2 versus Pro 4. And we get around the, the it used to be the Borg Warner Cup, then it was the Amzo Cup. Now, I don't know what the hell it's called, but it, now it's the Red, it was part of the Red Bull thing. Now it's, I don't know, Cranon World Championship. So, um, same thing. I get super excited about that, so I can see how people get pretty jacked on driving their cars in Vegas. Vegas is a lot bigger city, a lot right. more nostalgia to it. 
Uh, so that that's a cool thing for some people. There's also a lot more people that don't quite understand what's going on when 200 off-road vehicles <laughs> just start coming down <laughs> the street. Yeah. So that's also pretty cool. So yeah. Just, there's a lot of, like, stunned faces and, and just, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, okay, so the parade got done. Then uh, the kickoff party starts at 4 at Hogs and Heifers. Big fan of Hogs and Heifers. <laughs> Pretty pretty rowdy place. Qualifying registration opened up in media. Then they say at 5 o'clock, off-road festival opens. I don't know what the hell that is. I think that's just when people can start piling into Fremont Street area and start looking at stuff, I guess. I, they I probably know. have that. They have like that big parking lot set up with vendors. And the llama lot. The, sure, that thing. Mm-hmm. food trucks and you know so where the stages and, and stuff i think they have a concert scheduled for a couple nights or something okay uh then the dinner of champions is tonight um i don't really know the details on that by the sounds of it it's the dinner of champions so i'm sure that they invite a bunch of old heads that have won it in the past i know i'm sure uh kj howe will be there yep. talking about his wine tasting and all that stuff and the countryside that he's seen eight thousand miles across the world so that's probably a really cool thing i've never been to it like i said stuff that happens here in vegas i'm not i just kind of exclude myself i i don't need to be down there i've done it i've had to go through tech i've had to do all this stuff and it's just not all that fun to me <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of stress when you're pushing the car down, and then you got to go back a mile and a half back to the parking lot where the chase trucks at. Yeah, and, and then... by the way, tech is not straight. You don't just get to drive up to a certain spot, mm-hmm. shut the car off, and have the crew push. You push, and then you have to jut out because they're running out of room, right? They're having to expand this because they're bringing in so many promoters and sponsors. Right. So then you have to take a big jut to the right off of the Fremont Street, go down this big loop, come back in. It's it's a mess. And it's all downhill, as you would imagine. <laughs> oh, it's not fun. Um, okay, so everything starts off at 9 a.m. tomorrow, driver registration, festival day one. Tech starts at 9 Blah, 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 blah. 10.30 tomorrow morning, qualifying at Apex. This is always very, very interesting. This is probably the one thing I would actually like to go spectate because these guys just don't don't care about anything. And Apex is so gnarly. Like, if for anybody who's going to listen to this – and you don't know what we mean by Apex, Apex is probably, in my opinion, in the top three gnarliest desert areas that you can competitively drive a race car through. It's got big, nasty holes. It's all square. <coughs> Excuse me. And then when you do get a run, like on that backstretch, mm-hmm. remember that backstretch before they take a left and head towards the spectators? Right. That backstretch is so narrow it's so narrow. There's <laughs> like you're in a class one car or a trophy truck. You're like six to eight inches on both sides from either rocks or bushes. Yep. You got to stay there because if you get out, you don't know what the hell's out there. We've we've seen people 
you know, kind of lose it. The car gets upset, and they try and save it, and they're out in the bushes, and all of a sudden, bam, they hit a big hole. Yeah, and they rip the they rip the rear end out or something. Yeah, it, it, it's gnarly. It's really fun to watch, uh, obviously, not to see people crash, but it's really fun to watch to see people kind of push their equipment to the limit there. Because the Mint is rough, right, for these guys. Right. The Mint's one of the roughest races known to man, except for something that's held in Barstow. But the Mint's one of the roughest races – and there, it's not the same because most the ninety percent of these guys that are racing know that they have to go four hundred twenty-eight miles on Friday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. So they're not driving at one hundred percent for qualifying. They are. They're at a hundred, if not one hundred ten percent. Which doesn't make any sense because if you don't make it out of qualifying, you cannot race. Well, right. If you if you completely wad your shit up. You're you're not gonna race, right? Or if you crash and you don't wad it up, you're gonna start in the back and good luck. But so that starts tomorrow. Um, I don't have like I have a, so for everybody who can't see this, right? Everybody other than RJ, <laughs> I have the starting list and the draw order in front of me, and it is a full ream of paper. Yep. It, this is insane, and a lot of it is the way that they kind of. Uh, they format it. There's a lot of open areas because they have like the the car number, the driver record, the builder, manufacturer, and then the race team name. So it takes up a lot of space. But, but there's also 34 classes. Yeah, that's too much. So uh, then they do all kinds of other stuff. Uh, the qualifying awards at 7:30, uh, the Miss Mint 400 crowning, the Amzel Pit Crew Challenge, and then Eagles of Death Metal Concert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 10 p.m. Yeah. I won't make it because I gotta be up at three o'clock in the morning to go uh, to the out to uh, Prim with Derek. But <laughs> if I didn't have to go race, friend. I would be at this uh, Eagles of Death Metal concert. And I know we've got a couple people that'll listen to this that I'm sure would love to be there. Maybe the McEvers. I think Andrew <laughs> would love to be at this Eagles. He'd be in the pit of Death Metal concert. And I'm not even like he'd be in the mosh pit, dude. I'm not saying that there wouldn't be a pit. If there's not one there, he'd start it. He'd get one going. <laughs> so, so before we get into the race, we'll talk about qualifying because I have the draw order. Uh, be, the 2020 BF Goodrich tires mint 400 draw order, and it literally hurts my chest to even like say it like that. But I'm trying to be a little bit more professional. You know, I want you guys to be, um. To have some respect for what we do here, so I want to. It the mint sucks. I don't <laughs> want to do it. So this is where it gets interesting. I'm just gonna run down. I'll do the top ten in qualifying, and then I'll find some notables. First one off the line, number fifty-six. This is this is the trophy trucks. Uh, number fifty-six, <coughs> Fred Ledesma in a Chevy. Number two, the eleven of Rob Mack. Number three, the 19 of Tim Herbst. Number four, the 40 of Kit Stokes, baby, in Attila. Remember Alan Pfluger's old truck? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Kit yeah, Stokes, yeah. one of the baddest names on the planet. Like, how rad is the name Kit Stokes, by the way? Well, I mean, if you've ever met him, it kind of fits into <laughs> a T, so. Uh, okay, number five, the 26. People don't know this name, but Dave Taylor, he's got the Adonia Yachts racing truck. You've seen it? Probably. Yeah, so he either he is a part of or knows is friends with the guys who own Adonia yachts, which are like millions. Oh yeah, no, I've seen that truck because I've always wondered who owns a yacht company that sponsors a trophy truck. Yeah, 
So it's <laughs> like, how do you lose more money? Uh, I don't know. Uh, and then uh, six off the line for qualifying. The uh, twenty-seven is Steve Olgus, which we've talked about this before. Steve Olgus. I would, if I had money to put down, top five. Mm-hmm. Just every race. He's got a hundred percent finishing rate in the past three and a half years. Yep. That's that's insane. And, and he's the only one. Yeah. And they're just based on attrition with races and gene. Mm-hmm. A top five's not out of out outside of the realm. No. Uh number seven, the fifty four Robert Johnston. This is that Chattanooga whiskey truck. Mm-hmm. Uh it's a Tisco. Yep. That, uh just saw that Sarah Price is racing. She'll 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 race with him. I'm sure that Robert will probably qualify and then start. Uh, Ro- this Robert Johnston guy, I think he came from <clears throat> Circle Track, if I do remember correctly. And he went from like being he showed up his first race and was like okay, and then the next two races that he did, I was like holy smokes, this dude is like picked it up like that. His like first crazy. race was Silver State. Last year, correct? Mm, I don't know for sure. Well, I just remember him being at the finish line when we were picking up CJ, and he was like fifth overall. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, that wasn't it, his first first race, but that was. One I'm of not the even sure that was in a sixty uh, a a trophy truck. I think that might have been in a sixty one hundred truck. That was his trophy truck. Was it? Yeah. So okay, maybe it was the first trophy truck race for him. Then. Yep. Uh, eight, <coughs> the 88 of Christian Serapis. Nine, the 32 of Ryan Arciero. That's going to be exciting to see what he does. Uh, and then 10, Bryce Menzies. So that, the first 10 off the line, in my opinion, probably have, uh, I wouldn't say that they're at a disadvantage, but obviously the ruts aren't going to be there to hold the truck as well. So I don't, and I, and we've seen it. The times progressively get faster up to a point right? because you're developing these ruts and it holds the truck better and your average time throughout that sector, throughout that, that turn, mm-hmm. gets higher and higher and higher and higher because the berms keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So right. we'll it, see what happens because there's still some fast guys behind them outside the top 10. Uh, starting 15th, Justin Lofton, who is King Mint. He's won it three times. Uh, he's a winner wad guy here. So... Uh, excited to see how he does. Uh, behind him is Luke McMillan, and then Kevin Thompson. Uh, let's see here. See, Sarah Price is signed up in a Chattanooga whiskey truck, number seventy-eight. So I don't know what that's all about. Maybe she's racing solo. Well, maybe she's. Well, and it says Geyser. It doesn't say Tisco. So I'm curious to see what well, that's all about. Know, let's check the old Instagram real quick while you're still going through that. Okay. Uh, last off the line, a lot of talks been had about this guy, Jack's Redline, young kid, uh, came from trophy carts, I believe, and then started getting into, I think his first time, like, hard driving a trophy truck, he was 14 or something, which I, I can't even wrap my head around being that young and having a, 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 f- a full-blown trophy truck. It's a Brenthal truck. Right. Uh it says Geyser here on the list, so maybe he's running a different truck. But maybe he's teaming up with somebody. Maybe else. he he's been running a Brenthal, uh, and he's been doing very good in it. <clears throat> so while you're still looking, I'll scoot into the Mint did something interesting this year. They instead of having one 6100 class, 
they had they split it up into two. So what they did is they had uh the the trophy truck spec TT spec, right? Which is the rules that we've all kind of adapted now, which is the forty inch tires, underdrives, blah 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 blah. That's the two hundred class that's going to race at the mint. Okay. They also have I think it's called Baja truck. Yes. Oh, it's sixty one hundred here. Well, so I don't know because they've had they have Baja truck is might be fourteen fifty. This is insane to me. How did I don't know what they're doing? But whatever the case may be, I'll run through a couple notables in in TT spec, which I call sixty one hundred. Everybody calls sixty one hundred, but TT spec forty inch tires, underdrive, all that crap. Uh, fourth to qualify is uh, a good, really good friend of mine, Brad Level, Amzo Geyser. He he's probably not going to be very high in qualifying, but he's going to be one to watch throughout the race. He's comes from the King of Hammers realm. Uh, he knows what it's like to go through the rough. He he can keep the truck together. I don't think he's had a whole lot of luck with that truck. I think they had a whole lot of new truck blues, uh, but they're smart guys over there, and uh, they'll get it together. And they'll probably have a really good finish by the end of the day, if not win the thing, because like. Like you said, it's all about attrition. So we'll we'll, we'll see we'll see who comes out because it's going to be a pretty wild race, I think. Uh, starting behind him and qualifying the 209 of Rafael Navarro, uh, Pete's camp. Really solid guys, like every single one of them, really solid guys. Yep. I think Steve Barlow's still helping run that program, so. That Raphael can drive, dude. He's he's a wheel man. He's really fast. Um, they just got to keep the truck together and get to the finish, as with a lot of these other fast guys. Terry Householder, uh, Nick Eisenhower is debuting the T2, I think is what they call it, right? Yeah, the steel body, working doors, <laughs> 6100 truck. <laughs> these guys no do the drive, most insane shit ever. 40-inch tires. What is it? No underdrive with 40s, I think. Mm. Or 39s. Excited to see how that goes. Uh, who else do we have here? I don't know any of these guys. No offense to them. Uh, almost dead last off the qualifying line is Travis Chase, another really good friend of mine. I'm excited to see how he does. He's got a Mason. I don't, th I don't know if he's gonna be able to drive. There was some he posted a while ago because he's got the five car, and right. then he has the sixty one hundred truck, and one of them he said one of them he couldn't drive or something. He had business or work or something. Mm -hmm. So I'll try and get a little bit more information on that for our post race run through. But uh, next class, very very sad. This is actually disgusting to me. Class one. Has three entries. Yeah. One of them, you recognize. The other two, you don't. I don't. I, even, don't. I don't even know who's on the list, to be honest. Yeah. First off the line, the 111 of Jay Reichert, which I've heard the name, but I don't really know him all that well. I don't think he's raced for a while. He's in an HMS car. I believe it. I'm pretty sure that's the guy who has the world record for fastest top speed in a trophy truck. Oh, perfect. At, I think it's 135. Perfect. Which is laughable. Yeah. Jesus. Um, second 
Cody Parkhouse. He's in that ha- he's going to be in that Hammerhead. Yep. Which is and probably pretty third, solid out there. What? That, that's probably going to be pretty solid in the Gene Desert. Oh yeah. He did good last year too. Um, I believe he was second, wasn't he? Or did he win the thing? I don't remember. I know is we were third. I don't know anything else. And then third, uh, 185 of Jerry Lay or Lai, L-A-I, in a custom, that quantum racing car. You've seen it, but. Yeah. And then <laughs> from here on out, I'll just run through. <laughs> this is, so 6100 truck has three entries. Uh, I don't know any of them. There's a, there's a ton of classes that have, like, a entry. Yeah. And I'm going to run through so everybody understands how ridiculous this race is in its full, like, entirety of the Mint 400. Ultra 4 has one entry. Class 10, probably the biggest class, right? Class 10. Uh, well, for the for the big cars, it's one of the biggest right. classes. And the only reason why they have 20 entries, and this was pulled, what's the date today? The 4th. This was pulled on the second Monday, mm-hmm. this list. Right. So there might be a few ads or subtractions. Don't hold me to it. I, I'm not gonna print it off every single day to see who's. Well, there. I, I've seen a lot of stuff on Race Desert that it's people still have plans up in the air on Monday. Right. So who knows who's actually gonna show up? Yeah. Um, Class Ten has 20 entries mainly because of the bonus that Illumicraft put up. I think they put up like 20 grand extra, 25 grand extra. So this is gonna be. This is interesting because they moved class 10 out of the limited races right. and put them at the back of the unlimited racers. That's going to be gnarly because lap three, they're going to be getting caught before it gets dark. Like the, the well, middle to slow 10 car guys are going to be getting caught by trophy truck guys in about lap three, three and a half. Are they going to do like two wide for everybody? I have no idea. Probably because they, du- they have a dual lane jump for the start or something like that. Right. I'm just thinking because I know our our races because we only do one one car at a time every thirty for the, seconds for the big loops. Yeah, for, for, it's about an hour for all those cars to get off. Yeah, about yeah. Yeah, uh, we did it. Well, it depends how many entries we have, right? Right. So if we have a hundred cars, it takes us about forty-eight minutes yeah. to get everybody off. So, uh, class ten. The, I'm just gonna talk about the notables. Blaine Conrad. That dude's a wild animal. Uh, I think Connor McMullen's in there. Connor McMullen's six off the line, so he's going to be your number one qualifier, I would bet. Uh, well, do they qualify? Do the tens qualify? Oh, I would. I would hope that they do with all this money on the line. So there's another controversial thing. Last I heard that they, last I knew of, they weren't. Right. So I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm hoping that they do just because there's so much money on the line and and it's it's going to get dangerous essentially for the fast guy like if the fast guys in the back have to start powering through slow guys it's going to be gnarly but Connor McMullen's sixth and he's you're going to have to watch him like he could win this thing hands down he's on a roll he's won the last six or seven races in a row right uh then Kristen Fessler the Paradise Car. Uh, let's see here. Wheeler Morgan in a single seat. Johnny Gold from Playtech, who just got a podium at the Snore 250. I think that's his first. 
might be his first podium in a 10 car. I, I'm not 100. I don't have facts in front of me, but um, I was he was super stoked. I was stoked for him. The uh, 15th. Hopefully this is not off the line, but 15th on the list is Justin Davis. He's going to be running a single seat Jimco, the one that uh, his brother races down in Mexico. Right. Uh, kids fast. I, I mean, super fast. I I've talked about him before. I'm not going to keep talking about it because I mean, what else is there for me to say? He has to go through a lot of guys to get to the front, mm -hmm. so that's going to be a corrected time race he for him. He also just got a podium at the Snore 250, I believe, right? Yep. Second place. Uh, Tyler Mills. And then, actually, I know this guy <laughs> from back in the short course days. My dad was his temporary crew chief for a while. Jordan Burnlower, uh, his dad, Brian Burnlower, used to race uh, super buggies, pro buggies in the Midwest. They're from... Uh, Minneapolis, they own like a go-karting place, you know, like a K1 speed or whatever. Right. So like he's position. running a, a Penhall. It's a rental under ICR Motorsports. Hopefully they have some good luck. Every time they come out for this race, they always have some bad luck. Uh, hoping to see them do pretty good. Do they just do this race every year? Uh, they do a couple. Uh, they kind of pick and choose what sounds good for them. They usually always do the mint. They've done the thousand a couple times. Uh, they've done Vegas Torino, I think, maybe Silver State. Um, they just kind of pick and choose what sounds fun for them and when the the rentals available. Right. Uh, next is class seven. There's four entries. Reese Millen's on the list for them. We've got uh, class sixteen hundred. Jake Gone, who races with us in Snore. Hopefully he wins it. Because I don't know the other guys, so I'm pulling for him. That'd be really cool to see him get uh, a Mint 400 win, sub 18 years old. Class 11. <coughs> Is that 11 or 1100? Class 11, and their numbers are 5100s. Okay. So, the stock bugs, essentially. Right. Well, just I'd seen 1100 and Class 11 on their... Oh, on the I, list. So I don't, I don't know if there's a difference or if they just got listed twice or what. I think eleven hundred. I have the list in front of me. Let me find it real quick. So I printed off the. Uh, oh, that's the purse. Where's the other one? You have everything there. Is it? It's under the sheet. Nope. Mm. Oops. Sorry, I'm having a malfunction with uh, my paperwork. But I had the list of like. I don't have what anything. classes are and stuff, so <clears throat> I'm not really sure where it went. Class 11, I don't have anything. But, okay, so the other notable in Class 11 is Blake Wilkie. He's had the Sluttons build them an 11 car. Do you want to talk about that at all? Do you know much about it? Uh, I mean, he did like a 84-episode YouTube thing, I think, or something like that, so check that out. I guess. If you want. If you want, if you're into it. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. He's using a lot of like big money parts on his car. He built a really... I would say it's a really big cage for a Class 11. Um, when you've only got you know 50 horsepower pushing that thing. Mm -hmm. But that's just my opinion. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how he stacks up with all these old, old Class 11 guys like the Johnsons and the Slettons and them. 
yeah, Robert Johnson's on list too. I skipped by him. <coughs> uh, old school 11 guy. A lot of success. I think he's won the mint four times. Mm -hmm. uh, looking for a fifth. So I'm pulling for them. Good friends of mine. Yep. Hopefully they win it. Good friends to everybody. Uh, class 11, 100. <coughs> Now remember, these are all mint classes. I don't know. <laughs> what I don't that know what translates they mean. Into. I don't know anything. Then, and I don't know anybody in that class. Twelve. Chad Hall is racing that. I don't know. Then you got class fourteen fifty, which is the same as our fourteen fifty steel cab working doors. Only notable name in there is Chris Eisenhower. He'll be there in the F one hundred. Yep. Really cool. Really cool truck. Uh, if you, I think they have a YouTube series or a vlog series or uh, something. Yeah, it's another last minute mint thing. So you call it, sorry, did you call it a vlog? Yeah, video log instead well, of a not, blog. It, well, it's not. It's not a vlog. It's a vlog. It's a vlog. One word. No. I don't. You just like Midwestern the fuck out of that. Thing. <laughs> I don't. It, I don't know what you want me to do, man. I. I, I don't do this internet. Crap, okay? I don't know. Maybe we'll make a vlog about it. Maybe we will. Class 3000, which is Ecotech with a limited wheelbase. Body? Yes, has a body. Doesn't it's, have uh, to have fenders, though. It has to have a body. What is that? Because you can, run, you can oh. run a trophy light in 3000. Right. Okay. Only one signed up for that is Kevin McCune. Yep, friend of ours races Snore. I think uh, I heard something a while ago. He's going to be sponsored by like Republic Services for this race. Really? Yep. So he's going to have a full, full-on Republic Services livery. <laughs> Perfect. Cl Class fifty-five hundred has one entry. Jeep Speed Outlaws has one entry. Jeep Speed Trophy has one entry. Stock production truck has two. Trophy Light has six. Are the stock production both the halls? What? Is it like Chad and Rod Hall? In well, so Chad, Chad Hall is not racing Chad Hall. 12. Sorry, it's somebody else. Like It's, the it's Hall Sean family. Berryman in a Hall racing yeah. vehicle. Yeah. It, it, the 7330, that's that stock Colorado. Right. Because they're Chevy guys. Then we have UTV Rally, which I think is semi-stock-ish. Like they have to have window nets and stuff. I think you have to have window nets no matter what in every class. Well, but I mean, like, they're not allowed to do a whole hell of a lot So it's more. like stock, full stock. Yeah, essentially. And I'm running through the list. Phil Blurton is the only one that comes to mind. He's a, I believe he's a works guy. Uh, really fast in works, or not works. He's a desert guy. He's a Can-Am desert racer. So In works? I think he does uh, best in desert. Oh, okay. Uh, I can't think. I don't know any of these other guys. Sarah Price has signed up for UTV Rally. See, it's probably a, there's probably a ton of those uh, people in there for like pre-run. Oh yeah, like Luke McMillan's entered in UTV Sportsman. Then we have one entry in Vintage, <coughs> in an old Cheneth. Vintage, I believe, is 1985 and older. And then modern vintage is 1995 and older, I want to say. 
And then they have vintage open military class. I think this is new this year. Uh, that's that's a special thing just for. The, I guess it's a military group or team that is bringing a Humvee. There's four fully, entered. There, well, somebody's bringing a fully specked out military vehicle oh, to race cool throughout to the desert. Uh, UTV Pro Turbo, first on the list is Elliot Watson. I know he's racing with Christopher Polivardi in a brand new four-seat chassis Honda Talon. So all the Hondas that have been racing in the past couple of years have been based off a two-seater. Right. This is the new four-seat. So it's, I'm excited to see how that stacks up against. And it's the Honda Works, like from Honda Factory. Correct? Factory Honda, right. yes. Then uh, Mitch Guthrie's in there. I mean, again, Brett Serapis, <coughs> probably pre-running, maybe racing. I'm not really sure. It'll probably turn into a race at some point. Oh, I'm sure it will. And there's Jim Beaver uh, from the Down and Dirty Radio Show. He's entered in it. He's al He always goes good. Rodrigo Ampudia is in it. This is insane. There's so many razors side by eaches or there's like a rhinos. There's one one rhino class with forty four entries. <laughs> yeah, let's see here. UTV Pro naturally aspirated. Seth Quintero, Maya Chapman works people. Hopefully they do well. UTV Pro Unlimited. Uh Lucretia Burrier. Don't know anybody else. Class 5 Unlimited, there's one, and that's Dustin Grabowski in the Subaru. Right. I'm sure he's only there because Subaru wants him there. And, uh, I don't think that's a five-car, but that's a... It's a five-car chassis. Sure. -ish. It's a five-car because it fits the rules, but it's not a five-car. <laughs> I know. We could go another hour on just five-car stuff, Yeah. which we will at some point. Open Sportsman... Uh, I, I, Steve Algus actually races that sometimes in Zorro, his old eight truck or right. whatever you want to call it. I think it's it. a 1450 at this point. Then I believe this is new this year, youth stuff. They're doing like mini mint or mint 100 or something. Uh, like I said, I don't know a whole lot about this race. I'm just, where, so where are they? I know you, you just said you don't know a whole lot. Where would they be doing that? At? I have no idea. Okay. Are they just going to bust 100 laps on the core track? Or they what? might do something off the bike course. Maybe like some works-related yeah, type thing. But obviously, I don't know anybody that's in the youth. We have youth 170, youth 570. That's like <coughs> a stock razor. Yeah, and that's it for the, for the draw order. Um, so, <coughs> what's our time at? 50. 50? Okay. So for the last 10 minutes, let's just talk about... Okay, sorry. Before... So we're done with who's in the race or who's not in the race. That Nobody's showing up to this race except for guys who have to because the Mint... There's there's probably a couple people that actually want to race the Mint because it is a sem somewhat prestigious race. You know, you know, back in the day, it was the mid. That's but. about the only reason why I'd want to go win it. Yeah. I don't want to go race it. I just want to go win it. Can't do one without the <laughs> other, I guess, I man. 
Before we go into our personal opinions about the mint, I <clears throat> I have the racer prize purse. Trophy truck, first place, fifteen grand. Second, seventy five hundred, third, five thousand. This is this is what's insane to me. Class one, first place three thousand, second place a thousand, third place five hundred. Trophy truck spec, TT spec, first place eight thousand, second place four thousand, third twenty five hundred. Sixty one hundred truck, five thousand, second place twenty five hundred, third thousand, and then what they call super buggy, which is actually sixty two hundred. Which is unlimited chassis, like you can run a class one car, but spec motor. Right, it has to be like an EcoBoost, something like that. Type. Okay. I think James Dean raced one for a while. It was he it was he was like a hired driver. Oh, for hired him. gun. Yep. Well, they get first place for that a uh, thousand bucks, second place for five hundred, third for two fifty. Class ten has first place five thousand, and then another fifteen thousand dollar bonus to first place. From Alumacraft. Second, three thousand with seven thousand bonus. Third, two thousand with three thousand dollar bonus. Other than that, Trophy Light has a five thousand dollar bonus going out to the class from Yokohama. Fourteen fifty has uh, two hundred fifty dollars off a life trauma kit. And other than that, with all the other twenty some classes, <clears throat> there's no bonuses. There's no nothing. And lead, so that's a good transition into my next point. I have a lot of problems with people getting so excited for the Mint for a couple reasons. Number one, the entry fee is four, over $4,000 once you tag on the tracker and all that other stuff. Right, that's which you're required to have. Right, you don't have a chance. It's not like you can say, oh, I don't want the $400 tracker. Right. No, 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 no. You have to run the $400 tracker. Yep. That's garbage. It's terrible. So that compared to, and I'm not, I'm de I'm not gonna sit here and say the mint versus snore, the mint versus snore, blah 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 blah. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to promote anybody or anything. I'm here to just talk about my opinions. You can go race other series. You can go race best in the desert for far cheaper. You can race more for way cheaper than that, and snore. They're in the same boat. Mm -hmm. And. There's no bonuses. That's the other thing. There's no bonuses. Right. It's all just pay, like, quote unquote, payback. It's it's guaranteed locked in money. Right. That they're gonna pull from the pot of entry fees that they received, and run it from there. That's. It's, it's is abysmal the right word because. <clears throat> disappointing. It's disappointing because we're all sitting here and saying, well, it's four thousand dollars for an entry fee. And I have 22 pages. I have more than that. I've got 31 pages of people who are signed up racing. Where's all this money going? Yeah. Now, not every class is $4,000. No, I know class 11 is like half. Some of the sportsman classes are probably. I think they dropped class 11 to $1,000 entry fee. Okay. But let's just say they get 250 entries. And the average entry fee is $3,000. What's that come out to? $750,000. $750,000. Now, what's their permit, right? Nobody knows what their permit really is. Right. We can kind of guess and say that 
well with cost recovery and the biologists and all that stuff, you're probably looking at, if I were to be a guessing man, a $45,000 permit, $50,000. Let's make it easy. $50,000 permit. So now you got seven hundred grand in your pocket. And this is just for inventory fees because they probably get money from a ton of other places. Promoters and sponsors uh, yeah, and all that stuff. TV money and stuff like that. Right. So Now, they have to pay for equipment, machinery, some personnel. They put up all kinds of stuff in Prim. They put up this VIP tent. They put up all this crap yeah, for all these people to enjoy the race. And it's not a small tent. It's, right. a, it's a pretty massive setup they have out there. And what's their permit for downtown? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe that's like a thank you for coming to Vegas Maybe. type thing. But my thing is, is like you're looking at a pot of seven hundred fifty thousand to a million dollars to spread out, and and it gets thin when you run a race. I, I understand this firsthand how to how running a race costs money. You've got all these little individual things you have to pay for the porta potties the the temporary fencing the track work the watering truck the water trucks the guys the equipment rentals the this the that the this the that this that this that at our at snore's biggest race rage at the river mm-hmm. our profit like what we come what we take in before we start doing deductions on what's getting paid for here fuel reimbursement all this stuff right we're looking at 200 grand right and that's on a very good year, like 200, 250 grand, good year. We pay out. We at Rage at the River this year, we paid out eighteen thousand dollars to one class. Yeah. I don't. I can't understand. Is it that we work with better sponsors than the Mint? That they put up better money for the classes? They do don't we? have a payback structure, and we do. Yeah. We tell you. When you, because the math's already done for us, if you bring 20 cars, if you bring 15 cars, you get a bonus. You bring 20 cars, you get another bonus. 30 cars, another bonus. 40 cars, another bonus. Because we're pulling from that entry fee pot. Yeah. That's not coming out of our, that's not coming out of Snore's pocket. That's coming out of your own pockets going back to you guys. Right. You have your, you have a legitimate chance in a lower class to win your entry fee back. Yes. This, you can't do this. So, you win, let's say you win trophy truck, and you take home a check for $15,000. Mm-hmm. Right. Take four, take $5,000 out of that for the entry fee. Yep. Take another, <laughs> shit, for take another $5,000 out of it for hotel rooms, fuel, for Food. the chase trucks. Food, any other logistical purposes. Now yep. take out maybe maybe another grand for like a hired guy if you have full time employees that you bring to the race, you know, like one guy or something for the week. Right. And you're in Vegas, so you take you have a team dinner, you have all this stuff. That fifteen thousand dollars is gone before you even know it, and you just won. The 2020 Mint 400 against 22 trucks. Right. I mean, at least, at least this year, a pro, I guess, is that there, you do have the ability to recuperate most of your expenses for this race. If you win. Is, if you win, 
which is not something that normally happens. Even it, even in what do you get in third place for trophy truck? Five grand. Yeah, I mean, again, that's for trophy truck. That's pretty good. So if you get on the podium, you can get your entry fee back. Right. Is that not insane to you? I think what's <laughs> more insane is that for class one, third place is probably like five hundred dollars. Yeah. Third place, class one, five hundred bucks. And that's why I wanted to point out: you run TT spec, first place is eight grand. Class one, first place is three grand. That, yeah, but there's a lot more people that enter TT spec and such, so you would assume it's going to be higher in general. I guess, but it's still a bunch of crap. Yeah, there's 14 cars last year, or 15 cars that entered the mint last year in class one. Third many, place got 435 bucks or something. How many of those people were points racing, though? All of them. Essentially. So it just shows... Except for Justin Davis. Yeah, but nobody likes the mint. No. And that that's evident. These guys are not racing because it's not a points race. Why would you go spend that money? Right. That's Those are the problems that I have with the mint. So I would love for people to, to give us some feedback, like... Like, post on our Facebook or something, like, text me or call. Like, tell me if I'm wrong here, honestly, because if somebody else has this idea or thought about the Mint that's 180 degrees different from from where I'm at, I'd love to hear it. I want to hear it because I I haven't found it yet. As somebody who doesn't have to fully stress out, for the week leading up to the race. I mean, I do get stressed, but I don't get to the point that you do or other team people do. It is kind of fun to go down to tech and go through and, you know, have a good time in tech and stuff. But it's it's on a Thursday. You, you've been down there already. Most of those people have been down there for since Wednesday because you have to get in line at Wednesday at midnight in order to get through at a reasonable pace. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it is a good time as like a somebody who doesn't have to take it as serious. Right. But if you're taking it seriously, you're stressed out for a week and a half straight. Right. Unnecessarily. And you've got to travel all the way to downtown Vegas and then all the way back out to Apex and then back to downtown Vegas for the driver's meeting and then all the way back out for to Prim. And it's like the logistics of this race. And I understand. I really do, because you can't have all of these activities for a race this big in prim no there's not enough infrastructure you just can't so i get it but from from my, from our house right here where we're doing this podcast it's an hour if not more to get to apex right unless you go at midnight it's an hour to get there right and it's an hour to get to prim mm-hmm. cuz you're towing you're not you're not just going out there on a rocket and not only that, if you've never been to downtown Las Vegas, or if you've never been to downtown anywhere, it's not the easiest place to move through, let alone move through with a trailer. <laughs> so that, that just adds to one more headache you have to like deal with, is finding parking for your truck, your trailer. Yeah, and they have a truck. designated parking lot, but most of the time it's full. Well, not only that, like last year they had it, it was at Cashman Field. Yeah, so you have to wait for a police escort. Right, because it's a mile and a half across the other side of the freeway mm-hmm. in, in a neighborhood that's awesome. It's a hood. You can say it. It's, it's the hood. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's the hood. 
It's the hood. The alphabet streets. It's yeah. You stay off the of streets that are alphabets, dead presidents, and what was the other one? Martin Luther King. <laughs> it's leaders. Yeah. You just stay off of those streets because it's tough. It's a, it's tough it's a living rough over area. there. It's a rough area, and that's just being honest. Yeah. But, you know, you, it's kind of weird that you have to go put your truck, unload your car, get in another. The crew gets in another vehicle. The race car gets escorted down to tech, and then you know. It, it's Six a logistical after. nightmare yeah. because you can't just have one crew guy take the car, run it through tech, and be done. Like you said, you've got to go to the designated parking spot, get the police escort yep. because that's what they have the permit for, drive the one guy or two guys, drive the car down to the entrance of tech. The rest of the crew to push the car has to be dropped off. You can't just park somewhere. You can it's not Ish. recommended. Ish. If you have a small car that gets overlooked as one of the residents, <laughs> Shane, looking at you. But uh, if you if you if you just do it like you own the place, like most things, you can get away with it. But it's it's again, it's tough. It's tight. There's not a whole lot of place. Yeah. No. No, no doubt. Room. It's just logistically, it just sucks. It's just not fun. So no. that's why guys like me don't want to do it ever. But I can see where it's fun sometimes. Well, I'm sure if you just went down there to go party this week. Oh, I'm sure it would be a blast. Go hang out with all the guys who race and go look at all the race cars and and just hang out and yeah, get trashed on $13 beers and the, you you bring a cooler. I don't Yeah, you bring your own, I guess. Or you walk through till you see a car with a cooler and be like, "Hey, bud, can I get one of them?" <laughs> cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm sure in that aspect it's good, but, um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, you got anything else? No, that's it. So there's our personal opinions on the Mint 400, which, by the way, as a reminder, do not directly inf- reflect, not inflect, do not directly reflect the opinions or, uh, thoughts of our employer or the other race series that we work for or the other teams that I represent. Or any of the sponsors yeah, no, that just I have. Us. Or anything. This yeah. is me, myself, and I. And I'm not trash talking. I'm not hating on it. It's just it's just too much for me. And, and it, it, it kind of it makes me upset that people are so excited about it. Because racing, it is my life. It's what I, I get paid to do. It puts food on my t- – racing puts food on my table. Which my dad has always told me is a bad idea, but it does, and that's a that's the thing that I live with now. I deal with it, and I take it very seriously. And sometimes I still have to remember, racing's a family thing, right? Every race team you work with has some sort of family behind it, whether the driver shows up with his wife or his kids or whatever, or you're like our race team, like our whole family, the whole family's involved, and they bring you in as part of their own, right? You still have to remember it's a family thing, and people get so worked up. Like, show me, like I said earlier, if your sponsors are telling you you have to go to the Mint 400, please, please send me a text or an email or call me and show me the evidence. Show me the analytics that races like this help your sponsors or help you as a driver or a team owner or a team manager. Unless it's a rhino, I don't. It's not helping anything. How could it? Yeah. Because this is not – This is not. Uh, they didn't pick up NBC Sports or anything like that. 
This is live streamed off like the mint400.com or something. Are they not going to be part of the World X Games this year? I don't know. Hmm. World X Games. Show me the analytics on people that watch that. Most people don't even know the X Games are a thing anymore. When was the last time they you went, watched the X Games? Well, I did this year the winter X Games, but the X Games went international and they kind of it doesn't have the same feel to it as it did when we were kids. Like you waited all year for the summer X Games right. that were in said city in the United States and you waited all winter for winter X Games in Colorado in Aspen mm-hmm. and now pff, you're sitting there watching TV randomly in June, and there's X Games China on. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have the same feel. So, like I said, show me the analytics. Show me the money. Show me how they're gaining from this race that makes right. it such a big, quote-unquote, big deal for people to come race it. I don't know. Because it's not worth the money. I This nostalgia thing of the being the Mint 400, it's not the Mint 400 anymore. It's not what you strive to win in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. That you were somebody if right. you won it. Well, it's it's been it's become such like a, a, a shit show of a race. Yeah. Throughout, so I, I don't know. They've been they've had a lot of problems in the past through few years when it was the best in the desert mad media race, and I'm curious to see what happens when it's just a mad media race. Yeah, me too. As as them as a promoter race runner I don't, what would you call that I, essentially just an organizer race really. organization because they're not a, they're not an organization they're well, they, a, they're a for-profit they company two races if that makes it a con- organization maybe they're a for-profit company that's putting on a race that's the way i yeah, look at so it so is best of the desert yeah but best of the desert has a series point series that's where i kind of differentiate okay. the two this Makes is sense. more like an exhibition thing in my mind like the Mint 400 has now turned into an exhibition race, and when I I've had the pleasure of meeting, and the names are escaping me right now, which sucks. But uh, a a bunch of old school dudes have, who have won the Mint 400 overall, mm-hmm. and and like I hold those guys to a higher like standard than Bryce Menzies. Bryce Menzies has won it. I don't yeah. even look at Bryce Menzies and go holy shit, dude, you're a Mint 400 winner. You're a Mint 400 champion. But I look at these guys who won it back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s and go, holy shit, you guys won the Mint 400. Like, it's a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, That's when there's big money, $100,000 to win it. Like, that was the pinnacle of it. And now it's like, all right, great. Like, yeah, it doesn't carry the same same weight. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that's it. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you guys Everybody that listens to this is turning my dream into a reality, and I couldn't thank you guys enough. This is this is insane that I get to do this. I get to talk about my opinions, uh, even if you guys hate them or love them. Give me some feedback. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if RJ's like t- if RJ's wrong or if RJ's right. If we had a, an argument or a conversation, and you want to pick a side, pick a side. Tell me, because I want to learn from every everything that we do, and and I'm coming out here, and I'm just. I, I don't have a script in front of me. Th- this is all of what's on my brain, like what's happening. So, um, like I said, I really appreciate you guys listening to us. Uh, we're going to try and get a little bit more active on social media the best that we can. Um, I'm super busy human beings trying to trying to make this thing, you know, bigger than <laughs> what it should be at this point in its life. Right. But uh, I, 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 I literally get so excited to record these and do this, like, every week. So, Keep listening, keep tuning in, 
And we'll be back with a post uh, Mint 400 racing episode. And we'll also be back tomorrow evening with the Sports Vision sports episode talking NFL's latest news and topics, NHL, and some other stuff I'll wing up before tomorrow with Tyler and RJ on the mics. So thanks, everybody, and tune in again next week.